males are born, men are built. This is the Great Man Podcast, where we want you to build great men as you allow other men to build you. Join New York Times bestselling author Stephen Mansfield, along with seasoned leaders of men, Anthony Flemons and J.T. McCrow, as we bring a wide range of experience and expertise to help you become the great man you are designed to be. With you this week is Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast. Always wonderful to have you with me. Hey, let me say right up front, real quickly, we're doing great things and great men. We're going to the nations. We're impacting men. We're going to do conferences. We've got books going. We're doing media. Things are happening. We want you to walk with us. We want you to support us. Go to greatman.tv. Go to the upper right-hand corner, and you will see a button that will take you to a page that will tell you how you can stand with us. We need, quite frankly, hundreds of thousands, but we're doing great things. We're adding to our team. We're going to impact manhood in our generation. Be part of it and think about sending some of your benevolent money, some of your benevolent giving to us. And if you got a company that does the same, hey, we'll be happy to help them think that through and maybe see if we can get some of their kindly given money to be poured into the cause of great manhood. All right, I want to talk to you in this episode about something that comes out of an experience that I had just recently. My son, Jonathan, many of you have heard me mention him. Some of you even know him. 37 years old, wife, child, doing great, an executive for a major company. We decided that we hadn't seen each other in a while. We pulled away. Uh, We went to a beautiful seaport town and spent two or three days. We ate, we talked, we roamed. Uh, it was a marvelous time, and we needed it, uh, not not because there'd been any fraying in our relationship, but just because we missed each other and wanted to be as men. And so it got me thinking uh, about our roles with our older sons, with the older young men in our lives. We often talk about impacting our sons when they're teenagers or when they're little, because they're malleable, we have more direct connection to them. That's when we are, they're they're most shapeable. But you know what? Even beyond those years, and even though we sort of maybe lose them a little bit in the, you know, they turn 18, they go in the military, or they step into their careers, or they go off to college somewhere, and they cease to be you know, the teenage or elementary school boy living upstairs or living in the basement or wherever they live in our house. And so there's a little bit of distance. But I want to say to you something important, and that is for our older sons, sons who are married, sons who are out in the world, sons who are, I don't know, anywhere from their early 20s on, but they're out on their own, they still need our role. And part of the art of great manhood is that we recognize that truth, that they they still need our impact upon them, but also recognize that it has to be a different kind of impact. We're not disciplining them. We're not telling them what to do. We're not orchestrating their day. We may not even be providing for them materially, but they still need us, and here's the phrase I want to use, to create a magnetic pull on their lives. 
And being with Jonathan very much made me think about this. Now, I'm not reporting anything he and I talked about because that was confidential, but it made me think, particularly on my ride home, about what we need, what what is our role in the lives of our older sons. And some of this, of course, applies to our daughters. But as you know, this is a podcast uh, for men and about men. And so I'm almost always talking to men. Never mean to exclude the women in terms of these same dynamics and anything they can take from this podcast, hot dog, I'm all for it. But let me just list a few things for you that you want to be thinking about with your older sons. One of the important bits of impact we ought to have in the lives of our sons, and some of you won't like this because it starts with a negative, but we need to be apologizing slash narrating our own mistakes as men and fathers in their presence. Now, that doesn't mean that you live in a guilt-ridden life the rest of your life, even if you were a terrible father, an abusive father, really bad. You can apologize. You can repent. You can start living out a different life. You can start having a glorious second act in your life. Being dominated daily by a dark guilt is not going to let that happen. You've got you to deal with your wrongs, admit your wrongs, make changes, so much so that people have a hard time remembering even when you weren't your best or when you were misbehaving. But I'm so, I'm not primarily talking about that. Your life before your son gave him a roadmap of manhood for that phase of life. So, for example, my son now has a two-year-old. He's got a wife he's been married to for a few years. Uh, he's an executive in a company. And he thinks back, he didn't say this, but I just, this is just the way it is with all men, the way it is with me and my father. Uh, he thinks back on my life before him, and it provides a bit of a map. It provides a bit of, okay, well, that's how dad did it, or what was dad doing when he was my age, or how did dad handle this? Especially if you're a good dad, I don't mean perfect, but you, but you were doing the best you could do and being a positive influence. You provide a bit of a map. Well, part of what our sons need as they get older is that that map in their minds is accurate. And so, yeah, I would like my son to absorb about 80%, 85% of how I lived before him and use that as a map. I was trying to be a good man, uh, living a life of faith, living with other men, setting examples, doing courageous, heroic things, even in the world at times. You know, uh, yeah, for the most part, loving him, providing for him, having a bar mitzvah for him, you know, when he turned 13, bringing other men in. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, So, yeah, most of it. But there's also, as you can tell by me saying about 80, 85 percent of my life was positive, that about 10 to 15, maybe 20 percent wasn't. I don't know. I was impatient. I wasn't the best with his mother. Um, I was gone too much or whatever. And I'm not saying that I crawled to him and put my nose on his toes and, and say, son, I was terrible. No, but I just say, you know, I realize now I worked too hard. I was trying to fulfill some things in my own soul. I wish I'd been home more, if, if that's true. I'm not sure that's true in my case, but I'm just saying that would be an example of how I would handle it. But what you're doing is you're rewriting the map in their brains. And I've got friends who are in prison. I got friends who are abusive. I got friends who got arrested. I got friends who had addictions. They got a lot to deal with. Most of you listening probably don't. Not a lot, but you want to fine tune the map that you imprinted in their souls 
if if there's anything you don't want them absorbing as being the norm. Again, my son, for example, is a is a busy executive. He he could, I guess, he's not, but he could be gone too much. And my I maybe set a little bit of that example. So. I modify that. You know what? I wish that I'd figure out how to work from home or how to bring you into what I did in work or how to not make such a big divide between work and home, that that kind of thing. And then talk it out. The other thing you want to do, and I've already used the operative phrase here, the one that I think about is create a magnetic pull on their soul. I don't want to nag my son. I don't want to call him every five minutes and saying, are you doing this? Are you doing that? And just, just be another burden. But by my encouragement, by my example, by my telling of stories, by my recounting what's going on in my life, create a magnetic pull on his soul. What do I mean? In the areas of noble manhood, the core pillars of noble manhood, and those of you who have been with me for a while, you know what they are. Do you have a band of brothers? Do you have manly community? Do you have a free fire zone with other men? Are you striving to fulfill your destiny? Do you have a sense of what your destiny is, what you're made for, what God's called you to do? Uh, Do you let others speak into that? How is it with your wife? Or do you have a good, open, loving marriage where you're transparent with each other? Are you taking time? Uh, Are you taking, are you, have you got, do whatever it is you need to do, a date night, the weekend getaway, the romance time? the stolen kisses and touches and wherever that leads in marriage. Are you writing her? Uh, are you remembering the principle? You know, romance without finance. My black preacher friend cracks me up when he talks about that. But, you know, you got you to make sure you're not only taking care of the money, but spending some money. If you want to have a good, strong marriage and a wife who knows she's loved, you understand what I'm saying. So do I sit him down over a hamburger and preach all of these every time? And, you know, so he's kind of rolling his eyes like, Dad, you said this last time. No. But I just create a magnetic pull. And sometimes I'll check in on something with the briefest of phrases. You guys doing okay romantically? He knows I'm not asking about the bedroom. I'm not rude. I'm not intrusive. I'm asking if his marriage is happy. I'm also asking, do you need, do you need Bev and me to keep the kid? <laughs> you know, do you need some practical help? Or, you know, if he said, yeah, we would if we could afford it. Well, I'd make sure we made, you know, we would make that financially possible. That's not the situation with my son, but I'm saying these are the kinds of questions. This is the kind of magnetic pull you want. Or sometimes I'll just say to him and to others, young men, I'll just say, thank God for the men I've got around me. Thank God for the band of brothers I have. Where would I be without them? And I won't even explain it. I won't even go into any detail. But constantly kind of making, keeping that gentle magnetic pull. They need that. And then the third thing, and I think the, the maybe the final thing, but, but it could be at times the most important thing, at times, and that is to let them know that they're not walking some strange new territory that no one's ever lived in. I've been a father in my 30s with a young child, a busy life, uh, and a wife who worked. I've been there. I've had to live through that. I had to make decisions. I've I've come to nine o'clock at night and wondered where the day went. And, you know, the kids might be asleep and the wife might be showering ahead into bed and the house may be neat and the, you know, we ate a meal. But I've looked in the mirror or looked at myself or sat there thinking, well, I haven't worked out. I haven't been with a man. This day feels somehow incomplete. I got to make some changes. I can feel my belt tightening around my midsection. I'm obviously gaining weight. Uh, I've been there. I've been there. 
I've been disconnected from my friends because I'm working so hard and, and got so much to do with house and cars and, you know, mortgages and in-laws and what have you. So sometimes to let them know they're not alone and they're walking well-known territory. Yeah, man, I remember 32. That was a little bit of a disorienting time for me just to say that. The father he loves and admires and also knows isn't perfect because we're very close. Um, just to be able to say that makes him go, okay, well, then I'm not nuts. You know, we don't we don't live together in, in tribes and in villages and the way we used to. We're usually spread out. We're, you, my, my, I'm recording this in D.C. My kids live in New York. Sometimes I'm in Nashville even further away. Sometimes I'm on the road when I'm recording this or when I'm doing my work. We're, we're spread out. Uh, my daughter-in-law is German, uh, common uh, for her to be in Germany or the kids together to be in Germany with the grandchild. I mean, you talk about distances, but you keep the relationships. You narrate the commonalities. You encourage by saying, yeah, I've been there. I was there. That's that's interesting. That's a, that's a weird time. And I remember that I, that I had to ask myself some serious questions, that kind of thing. So the main thing I want to say to you men who have older sons is stay in their lives. Don't let the initial distance of college or military or early career or moving out of the home make you think that's the way it's got to be forever. Figure out ways to pull back together. Maybe they live across town and just a weekly stogie fest will be the way to do it. I don't know. Maybe you play golf. Maybe you like to fish. Whatever it is, find some time and exert that magnetic pull towards noble manhood because this, believe me, is one of the great arts of noble manhood. Anthony and JT, take it away. To join the Great Man community or to book Stephen, Anthony, or JT to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. There, you'll also find incredible resources to help you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Wise Company production.